Good morning. Oh, this is strange. This is strange. I'm going to get into it, but I, I feel this has been a, it's a long time in the coming for me to be able to say, uh, Mum, I'm on the telly. Hiya. If you can see me now, look at this. Unbelievable. Watching live. I'm sure she is. I'm sure she is from home right now. I thought, I, I, this is the chance you got to take, isn't it? But there we go. Good morning, folks. Really looking forward to uh, bringing you the word today. Just so you know, if you've got a Bible near you, we're going to be taking this from uh, Philippians 2 this morning verses 1 to 11. Now, I'm not going to read it all at the beginning, because if I read it all at the beginning, it would be kind of the same way as like unwrapping a Christmas present all at once. You get the surprise. It's very short. It's very exciting, but it's all over. I'm going to do it more like that awkward person always undoes the sellotape at one end and slowly pulls the present out. So we're going to read it in little bits throughout, just so that um, I think it just fits better with what we're talking about today. So we're going to be looking at humility true humility. It's a trait that everybody kind of almost dreams of having. And it's not just in a church context. It's, it's a really attractive trait to have. But at the same time, it can be really hard. And sometimes um, it can be a little bit misunderstood. So to kick things off this morning, I'm going to start with a little story. And I think it's quite an amazing story, to be honest, as well. I don't know if you've been down to Ocean's Terminal in Edinburgh. But there is a very, very unassuming, small memorial wall that's just near the roundabout when you're driving towards the car park around the side. So if you ever go there, have a little look and see if it's there. If you know what I'm talking about, you might be on track with the next part of this. Now, when you see this little wall, it's only got a little brass plaque. The plaque's probably about the size of my head. And there is a brass plaque above that that is actually a face. It's not my face, believe me. But it is of, of a man called... Corporal Thomas Hunter. Now, this man, I didn't know anything about him. On this memorial, it doesn't really say very much about him. It just says his battalion. It tells it has some dates, and it's clear that it's based around World War II. But I, being the nosy guy I was, I Googled it. And how do we look when I was down there? His story is incredible. Basically, what Corporal Thomas Hunter did one day in 1945 in northern Italy was whilst leading some men who had a Bren gun uh, and they were holding back a section of ground from the enemy, um, at that point, he then moved forward. And he didn't move forward with his troops. Instead, he realized that there was a barn full of enemy soldiers that were firing and pinning down his troops. He stole the Bren gun off of one of his soldiers, then stepped out into the open ground and moved 200 yards in complete broad daylight with no cover, and held back the whole of the, the troop that were inside the barn so that his men could escape. By doing so, the, the enemy was so scared by this experience that they surrendered. He took six prisoners at that point and went into the barn only, if that wasn't big enough, went around the other side of the building where fire had started from across the other side of the river. He did the whole thing again. He held back a huge number of soldiers with absolute precision with his rifle whilst his men were able to flank and move around the side. In this process, Corporal Thomas Hunter was shot twice and died on the spot. Now, I just, I don't understand how a man can do that. He gave himself up in a way that I can't even fathom, I can't comprehend. He didn't think at all about his own personal cost that that would be. In this case, he gave his life for it. He didn't think about that. Instead, he acted completely selflessly for the men around him. So where does this kind of decision stem from? Because that is what really interests me. So was it military leadership? Well, no, because it was suicidal and illogical. That makes no sense. 
So was it the desire to complete his objective? Well, no, because they knew that they didn't have the troops there and then to be able to complete the objective. He should have called for reinforcement. So it wasn't that either. You see, he acted on an emotion. He acted on something that really fulfills all the things we're going to be looking about today. He acted completely in love for his men. See, the, the men that he, he, was, he had been fighting with, he'd been fighting with for nearly four years. It was 1945. He knew them like brothers. He knew them like family. And he was willing to give up anything for them. And that, that really, I think, is the most incredible illustration of what true love is where you suddenly forget about yourself. You forget about what it might happen to you if you, if you, if you put yourself in the situation that you might do. And instead, you do it anyway because of the love of the person beside you. That's incredible. It just blows my mind. So it's actually a great illustration for what we're looking at today. So I want to look just first of all at Philippians 2, verses 1 to 4, just to start this off. Now, I'll just give this a quick read through. If you have a Bible there, have a wee follow of it. Um, Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, that brings me on to my next character that we really have to look at. Paul. Paul wrote this. It's an incredible section of the Bible. I love this part. The reason why I think this is so amazing is that Paul, when he was writing this, is actually sitting right in the middle of a lockdown of his own. He was in house arrest in Rome. So the fact that he was sitting there and all he could do was write about supporting somebody else makes me think of the same style of love as Thomas Hunter. Now, kind of even more so in some ways, because Paul didn't stop with writing Philippians whilst sitting inside this, this jail, if you, if you say, although it was house arrest. He went on to potentially write six others while he was being there. He spent his whole time thinking of other people. If you just look at verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 very quickly, it talks about the fact that he says he gives thanks for them because they bring him so much joy. This was written a decade after he planted that church, or around a decade after he planted that church. But yet it still played in his mind that much that they, gave him, they, gave, they brought him joy when he thought about them. The fact that they were following Christ in the way that he had shown in the first place. The fact that they were sending him support whilst, in, whilst he was in house arrest. All of those things demonstrate a man that wasn't thinking about himself. He's got his own problems. He's sitting in a lockdown. He's not allowed to leave. He has guards watching him 24-7. But yet, he is delighted that somebody out there is leading a church. And not only that, the people are with Christ and it brings him so much joy. You see, this love that you can so clearly see in Paul shows that he cares like a parent for these people. Now, caring for anybody as a parent, that love that you can show, I'm a, I'm a dad, and that love, when, it, when I think about my daughters, it just oozes from me. I just love thinking about them. They're brilliant. In the same way here, Paul is oozing with joy and oozing with love for complete, well, I wouldn't say strangers now, Friends, but people that aren't related to him, 
But this is the thing that's absolutely amazing about this part of the passage, is that Paul just shows the fact that he loves. So it's one thing being able to stand and show love for your family, but showing love for somebody else is something I want to look into. You see, verses 3 and 4, we're called to have the same humility for everyone. That comes with a real challenge. I don't know about you, but when I was reading through this, that, that doesn't seem very easy to me at all. That's really challenging because we talk about humility. Often I put it, I probably misuse it. And when I think about humility, I think about just not taking credit for something. That's, that's a very 21st century view on what humility is. Oh, it was nothing. It was very, oh, it was very quick. That's, that's being humble in my head. When actually when you read this, it's far from that. It's so much more. Now, Paul wrote this in Greek. Well, it was his language. That's what, that's what he, he wrote it down in. Now, when we take the words, if you look uh, where it says comforting love or comfort from his love in different versions, okay, back, back in verse 1, there's something really incredible about this that I want to highlight. Comforting, when you write it in Greek, doesn't actually read the same way. Now, it doesn't mean something completely different, but there's more to it. It's the same way as British people have lots of word f- words for rain because we see it a lot. When we look at the Greek language, there's a huge amount that goes with this understanding of comfort. Um, Periclesis is what the word is. I'm probably saying it completely wrong, but that's what the word is. It means so much more. This is what it actually means when Paul wrote it. He said to strengthen. So it wasn't a comforting love like we maybe picture. He's just talking about a strengthening love. If you then take that into Latin, which Paul used in other places... It means to bravely love. So actually, if you then read that section again, they're talking about if you come together in comforting love, it's actually saying if you come together in strengthening brave love. Strengthening brave love is something that doesn't feel the same as the arm around the shoulder picture that I had in my mind. So yes, love is nurturing. Love is the arm around the shoulder of the person. But it's ammunition. It's fuel. It's drive to bravely strengthen those around you in love. Not just to console them, to support them where they're at, but to push them, to drive them forward, because their well-being is greater than your own. To see more of them, to be able to see them fulfill, fulfill more of their life is, is that strengthening comfort that Paul is writing about. So where are we strengthening today? Are we strengthening our wives and our husbands? Are we strengthening our children? Are we strengthening friends? Are we strengthening colleagues at work? See, Paul was never born with this insight. And in the same way, sometimes some of those, those people there, wives, husbands, children, colleagues, friends, it sometimes feels maybe a little bit unnatural that you, you're not led in the same way to, to one of those groups. I challenge you this morning, why don't you go pick the group you find the hardest and start there? So if we think about a strengthening love to push beyond where you're comfortable, that's where we're going to aim for today. You see, the Holy Spirit changed him by Paul accepting Jesus as the new direction in his life. See, previously as Saul, he was driven not by humility, but he was instead he was driven by his surroundings. He was high up leader in the, the Jewish faith. He, had, he was at the right hand of the Sanhedrin. He, he, could, he could do so much, and he knew it. And throughout his chase of uh, the early day Christians, that's exactly what he did. He didn't demonstrate humility. He demonstrated the fact that he wanted to catch them. 
But the thing that's brilliant about this is that it's a complete life flip. It's not that it was a gradual thing. He decided over the period of time on that Damascus road that there was going to be a change in his life. But you see, the thing that's amazing, and this is where I'm really coming into with this passage, is that humility is a byproduct. Humility wasn't the aim. Humility came because of something else that changed in him. Paul learned to love. And I'm not saying to love as like maybe just love a friend. He learned a Christ kind of love. As soon as Paul was able to love, Paul then became humble. See, Paul's own life never at that point then was number one. It didn't carry that top space. Instead, the people around him did instead. Why? Because of Christ's love. How do we feel about love today? What kind of love are we showing? I challenge myself with this. Like, what kind of love do I show at home? But then compare that to what kind of love do I show to people when I'm at work? What kind of love do I show to a stranger when they are in need on a street somewhere? Does it, is it the same kind of love? Or is it a dialed down version of it? Because it's safer, it's, it's easier. So really the question is, what level of this comforting love do you offer? See, how we love stems from the example showed to us. Some of us will have incredible lives full of support and loads of love. Some of us might not. But there is one thing that we can know for sure. Paul showed a great example to, every, to the early church of what true humility is. See, it stemmed from his love of people because Christ loves him. And it wasn't the fact that he loved people because he loved the people. It's because he couldn't help love the people because Christ loved him in such a manner. He had been, he viewed himself as the lowest point that he, that his life before Christ was, was frankly an embarrassment to him in comparison to where he was going now on Christ's journey. Therefore, the love he showed people was the fact he was emulating the love that Christ had shown him. See, my question to you is this. What humility do we show because of Jesus' love to us? What time do we give because that person is worth more than we are? What money do we give because that person's need is greater than our own? What wisdom do we give because that person's happiness is worth more than a difficult conversation that you might just have to have? What sort of love do you show? What does it look like for you? Is it humbling yourself at work? For me, it's me spending more time with one of my colleagues to be able to support them and let them build on skills and development at work because I, I want them to be better at what they do. I want to see them succeed. I want them to be able to develop and become a greater teacher. I've got lots of other things I could be doing, but that's what I'm going to aim for. That's my week ahead. That's what I'm going to do after reading this passage. I'm going to give that time because I need to learn. Is it humbling yourself at home? For me, it's knowing the fact that Ruth right now is on a 12-hour shift at work. My wife is working her socks off right now. And when she gets home tonight, she needs time. She needs to relax. And it doesn't matter how busy my day has been with the girls. I need to give that time to her. That's me humbling myself for my wife. See, it's a challenge, but living, uh, living for others is always led by example. Like Paul led the early church to understand the importance of humility by himself becoming a living example of humility. 
So you don't trust somebody and you don't follow them if they just talk the talk but don't walk the walk. Paul knew that his life had to be a living example of walking the walk. So we need to look at verses 6 to 8. And this is the bit I love. This is brilliant, this bit. So have a look here. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made a human uh, likeness, and being found in appearance um, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Man. Man, that's amazing. I, I just love that part. Because the thing is, we were never left to try and work this out for ourselves. This is an equation that no mathematician would work out. We can't get to the answer unless we're given an example. But we've been given the perfect example. There's nothing better than the example we've been given. Because Christ demonstrated perfect humility. Like the good father that he is, he led by example, humbling himself at every turn in his life to give us a life guide like no other. Jesus is the reason why we understand what humility is. That's how the fundamentals of humility has been understood on this planet. It's because Jesus lived it. The love that he has for us makes absolutely no sense. He goes way beyond what we can understand in love. See, love is the guide that takes you to humility. And you look at Thomas Hunter and his situation, and you realize very quickly that it was just all about love. It was just all about love. So how do we love like Christ? Because I don't know about you, but it looks quite hard. It looks quite hard. This is not an easy challenge to love like Christ. But the joy is in this, Romans 8 verse 26. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. Thank goodness we're not alone. And not only we're not alone, we've been given a guide to make that connection even easier. The Holy Spirit will build us up. The Holy Spirit will give us the truths. It will give us those moments where we see Christ more clearly to be able to break through into that love that will make us that humble person that God wants us to be. Spurgeon said the Holy Spirit is the physician, but it's Christ who is the medicine. We need to let the Holy Spirit work on us. It's something that we need to we need to accept him in. This morning, accept the Holy Spirit into your life. Accept him to make those changes, to break open those parts of your world right now that need love. Accept him in to be able to find those places where humility should be running like a river, and it can't yet. Let him in. Let him give you a dose, a dose of Christ into those parts of your life so that you can find ways of being able to see who Christ really is and allowing that love to overflow into the people around you. Suddenly, guys, the start of this passage gets a lot simpler, doesn't it? If we all start picturing in that overflowed love, suddenly we're not having to try to do any of those things at the start of the passage. We naturally do it because Christ loved us first. See, it's quite a picture, really. Like Paul, who came from the not-so-humble lofty heights of the Sanhedrin, and the Jewish council, to the man of humility that we see in these letters that finally took out right to his own death. He always put others first because of that love that overflowed from him. 
But that love was never him. It was never the, the being. It wasn't Paul, the man, that allowed all those things to happen. It was Christ in him that allowed that to happen. See, Christ changed him. It taught him. It taught him this humility. Everything came from love and understanding that love was more than a comfort. If you think about the love that, that was shown to, to Saul on Damascus Road, it was a, it was a push. It was an ammunition moment. It was a fuel. It was a full-on reminder. It wasn't that comfort, arm around the shoulder kind of love. It was far from that. It was a strengthening love. It was a brave step out and push you forward kind of love. A love that wants to change you. I want to encourage you. You see, Paul was just a man. He was just a man. But the thing is that what Paul did, which is aspirational, is the fact that Paul let Christ in. He let the Holy Spirit in. He wanted the Holy Spirit in. And as a result of that, he was changed completely to the man that we see through the epistles that he wrote. Absolutely incredible, this thought that this man was able to step out and do what he did. But it's not really when you realize that it was never him, it was Christ all along. Wherever you are this morning on this journey, wherever you are, you can jump on board at any point. It's not, it, we're not waiting for specific stations to be able to pick people up. The thing that's great about this is that you just need the Holy Spirit right now. Father God, I just pray over people right now that are watching this that may be thinking hugely about this step of love, this step into love, this faithful, comforting, strengthening, brave step into love, and what that love might actually look like to be able to build this picture of this perfect humility that Paul writes about. Father, I just pray that now. Where are you at today? Where are you? Where sits your heart this Christmas? What opportunities have you got to live that love this Christmas? To show Christ's love. To show Christ's humility. I'm challenged by that. I'm massively challenged by that. I'm challenged by that because just like Thomas Hunter... He gave everything for his men. And then we look at Paul, who gave everything for his church. And then you look at Christ, who gave everything for us. Guys, let's change this world. Let's change it one humble step at a time, starting with us.